hey, it's me, your tailor. I know you've got the big event coming up and you want to make sure that you look the part and I will make sure that all your clothes look fantastic, but you want to make sure the vibes are right. How can you make sure that the vibes are right? You can listen to another episode of this podcast. Before we continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, you are about to hear audio from a live show that Johnny and I did this year in March of 2022 in Washington, D.C. It is a bracket where we determined what was the best action scene in all of the Harry Potter books. If you want to do more than just listen to this episode, you can watch this episode. If you go to the Potterless YouTube account, just go to YouTube and search for Potterless. The account will show up. There is a full video of this live show. And also on that YouTube channel, I've been posting vlogs, behind the scenes video stuff from the tour that started in mid 2021. And I'm slowly but surely posting videos for more and more of those shows. So check that out and subscribe to it. I want to keep posting those videos. It was fun to take them. And I want you all to see behind the scenes looks at the live shows. Speaking of live shows, we have some more Potterless shows on the horizon for the end of this year, and one of them is streamed, meaning that no matter where you are, if you're listening to this, that means you get the internet, and if you get the internet, that means you can watch it. Now, that particular show is this week, if you're listening to this the day it came out. It's this Wednesday, August 31st, 2022. We're going to be live in Philadelphia. If you're in the area, come through. If you get the internet, come through via the stream. That stream is going to be a high-quality stream multicam setup. The one for this live show you're about to hear is just a single camera, not necessarily the most thrilling of things. However, the stream for the Philadelphia show is going to be a multicam setup, and it's going to be awesome. We just did one for the newest Olympian. It was very cool. They had seven cameras, and they kept switching all the different angles. It made it very fun and engaging. It makes for a much more immersive experience. It feels like you're there and it's just 10 bucks. And if you are a patron, you get a discount, you get 20% off. So that's pretty cool. You can get tickets to that. Whether you're going to go in person or watch the live stream, you can go to potterospodcast.com slash live for tickets. And you can also get tickets to the other three shows we have this year, Salt Lake City on September 11th, Portland, Oregon on September 25th, and Dallas, Texas on October 9th. Those will not be streamed. That is only the Philly show. And that Philly stream, when you get a ticket, you get access to a one week replay. So if Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern time is is not a good day or time for you. Don't worry. You can get a ticket. You can watch it after the fact, or you can watch it live or part of it live and watch it again, whatever you want, do whatever you want to do. It's a very fun time. All of those shows are going to be half Potterless, half the newest Olympian, where the first act will be TNO and the second act will be Potterless in a Q&A. It's going to be silly. It's going to be goofy. Kelly's going to be the guest for all of them, but there also will be special guests as well for all of the shows. So it's very exciting. Again, tickets to all of these are live at potterlesspodcast.com slash live. We'll talk about some more stuff in the mid-roll, but without further ado, let's get into episode 198 of Potterless, where Johnny Frolicstein and I determine what the best Harry Potter action scene is live in Washington, D.C. How are you? Man, it is great to be here in the only not state in but maybe that'll change in the future. That's something you want, right? Right? Cool. Okay. Good, 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 good. Let's make it happen. Thank you so much for coming out to the show. This is absolutely wild. It's funny because at the last show we did in Atlanta, I made a whole big deal about how, oh, we sold the most tickets at the Atlanta show out of any show that we've done of Potterless Live ever. And DC broke that record like two weeks before the show. <laughs> so... 
I can't pick between cities because everyone's great and everything, but if I had to choose between my children, I would pick probably Washington, D.C. because uh, clearly you guys are excited to be here. So I'm excited as well. And we have something very important to discuss today. We are here to try to figure out one of the many unanswered questions in the Harry Potter world. We are trying to figure out what is the best action scene in all of the books. And in order to do this, we're going to use a foolproof formula. You might know because we're recording this one in March and you know, the bad basketball league does the thing where 18 and 19 year olds miss long two pointers and everyone's like, yeah, cool. Oh, they're not getting paid. This is fun. Um, while professional basketball is still on. Like you can watch the NBA. I will never understand, but you might be familiar with March Madness and all of that. We are going to be doing a bracket to determine what is the best action scene in the Harry Potter books. And I'm not going to be doing this alone. I've got a guest to help me answer these questions. So why don't you welcome to the stage, Johnny Frolicstein, Johnny! Hello, hello. How's it going? I heard you guys talking about uh, taxation without representation out here. Right, right. My blood was boiling back there. <laughs> Doesn't the like city flag have something to do about that? Like the stars and stripes, isn't that a thing? I don't know. Is it? I don't know. Well, the license plate. Yeah, yeah. Is the license plate? It's not the city. Isn't that also the city flag design that's on the license plate? There it is. Thank you. Look how much we're learning today. They didn't teach me enough in history class. So, we've got the whole bracket laid out. We are going to start making our way through it. Is a bracket sure is a fun format. That seems like a thing in March Madness's favor that you've not you failed to acknowledge to me because I love March Madness. Johnny likes March Madness it's for so some great. reason. We we had we had a very like respectful argument about it the other day where we like saw each other's points and we're like, okay, fine. Whereas Johnny likes the structure of it, which I agree with, but I don't get why you would watch the not best people on earth play basketball when you can. At the same time. Because they cry when right, they lose these, and it's really sweet. Okay. Shout out to St. Peter's in the state of New Jersey for doing well this year. But enough basketball talk at the Harry Potter live show. We are here to talk about Harry Potter stuff. Johnny and I went through, we put in a lot of work to try to figure out the best action scene. We had lots of different criteria in terms of what defined a scene, what defined a moment. So if your particular favorite scene is not in here, I'm very sorry. There were literally infinite to choose from. But we tried to find the ones that were the most action-packed and we've divided them into four quadrants to start. So first, representing the Gryffindor corner of the bracket, we've got all of the duels. In the Ravenclaw corner of the bracket, we've got all of the action scenes that are not specifically duels, so like important and meaningful scenes, you know, that you could talk about in a nerdy way and be like, yes, ah, look at the symbolism and other words. Then also, we've got the evil section, because Slytherin is here, <laughs> and they didn't get rid of that house for some reason. Ooh, Slytherin folks in the crowd. Mm -hmm. Wow, okay. All right, and uh, then we've got the Hufflepuff, which is the rest. Wow, wow, okay. All right, big Hufflepuff town. Basically, anything, anything that didn't fit in one of these criteria found its way into the Hufflepuff section of the bracket, so we got a lot of fun stuff going on. Okay, 
the way that we're going to do this is we've got rounds for each of them. We've got rules for each round. The first one, we kind of just, Johnny and I are going to make our way through pretty quickly, just like talking about each one for a minute or so. So I would say, uh, hold your audience participation for the future rounds where we will turn to you for the applause meter in order to determine who makes it on into the next rounds. But because we just have so many to get through right off the bat, let us just kind of get through this and then we can get into some silly fun stuff where we ask for your help. So first round matchup in the Gryffindor dual bracket. The number one seed is Dumbledore versus Voldemort in year five, which is great. And I will never forgive the movie for not making that one good. Who directed the fifth movie? Was that David Yates? That Kentucky born idiot, am I right? <laughs> and then the eight seed is Molly versus Bellatrix in year seven, which you might know as the not my daughter, you bitch portion of the book the all caps curse word in the Harry Potter books. So between these two, Johnny, what are you feeling? I obviously have made my love of the Dumbledore versus Voldemort fight scene quite well known. Well, I want to call out on the not my daughter, you bitch scene that I got well actually harder than I've ever gotten well actually at the Atlanta live show. Oh. Because I said that was the only time the word bitch was used in the series and somebody immediately emailed him and they were like, no, it was used in the third book too. And I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> but that was the different one they were talking about. It was like Aunt March talking about her dog, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Different kind of bitch. Right. Um, but I do appreciate everyone in the car going, oh, come on. <laughs> As someone that gets like one well, I did get, uh, I got notified on Reddit yesterday. It was such an old post that it was from the era of Potterless where I was posting episode stuff myself on Reddit as opposed to there's this wonderful guy, user slash you slash Job, but the O is a zero. And he set up like auto stuff. But this was from episode 77 and someone was well actually, that is hard to say. Someone was well actually me about, I said the wrong version of the Pavlovian response thing. And they started this with, you probably don't care and I immediately to myself said, yes, <laughs> you've done it. But they did let me know, it's great, it's fine, but also it's a three and a half year old episode of a podcast. Do we really care? Anyway, you got big will actually. <laughs> but that being said, I think we're in agreement here that Dumbledore versus Voldemort is just an all time scene. I mean, Fox does the like diving in front of Dumbledore in slow motion to yeah. take the Avada Kedavra, like, no. Like, it's incredible. He eats it, which I think is yeah. an unnecessary <laughs> flourish that is really good. Like, he didn't need to eat it, but he did. He went out of his way to eat it. <laughs> he was like, if I'm going to go out, I'm going out in style. And then, pff. What is also really interesting upon rereading the scene is that Voldemort throws an Avada Kedavra non-verbally, which is wild. Like, to do what I would assume is the hardest spell to do without having to say it, this dude is quite powerful. What a way to go. Like, you're just walking around and somebody non-verbals that one at you and then boom, it's over. <laughs> wild. What a way to go. And Dumbledore the whole time just, like, flicking the wrist. Yeah, so I think that's the clear winner. Dumbledore versus Voldemort moves on. If you're sad about Not My Daughter, You Bitch, uh, not making it forward, it got a pretty good run in the best quote bracket we did in Atlanta, so just wait till I post that live show episode in, like, a year and a half or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so the next matchup in the dual bracket section is Harry versus Voldemort in year four. So the first time they face off and the number five seed is the Department of Mysteries, all the tentacle brains and the squad and Neville and Ginny and all that good stuff in book five. Everything before the veil and what we're not going to talk about because I'll get too sad. This is a close one. It because is very close. 
I think the Department of Mysteries is just so weird. There's so mm-hmm. much stuff that had like the yeah, like everything you said, the brains like right. grasping people and the time jar that makes the dude's head turn into a baby, and then there's a yeah. baby walking around the battle for the rest of the time, <laughs> really out of place. And so, so yeah, I think I lean Department of Mysteries here. But do you have a case for a graveyard fight? I do really like Graveyard Fight. I feel like it does lose a little bit of luster just in that they do fight again and it's better in year seven. And I think the coolest thing of the fight, aside from Kill the Spare, which is an all-time line, I really do enjoy when they shoot the spell at each other and then they float off into the air. I think that's very cool. And I think that was the first time I was truly let down by the movies because I had not watched the movies after reading, but after reading that chapter, I was like, oh, I gotta see what this one looks like in the movie. And I YouTubed it and I was really sad. (laughs) But I don't wanna hold that against it. We're going book, not movie. And I got a bone to pick with Cedric though because Uh I think it is extremely selfish of him in this life or death situation to ask for Harry to bring his body back. <laughs> I think that is extremely selfish. Let the man go. He's like we're running from this mass murderer. Come on. Harry, my parents requested an open casket, please. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to be cremated. <laughs> yeah, why did your parents request that? I'm your very Catholic. <laughs> Yeah, I think the Department of Mysteries, just from the fact that so many different things happen, and also the fact that, like, that's, like, the first time that Neville and Luna truly, and Ginny, truly cement themselves as, like, the squad members, like, not the original trio, but they're in the mix, and I think that's a really nice moment for them as well. So I'm going to give the slight upset to the Department of Mysteries. All right, so now we will get on to the three seed, which is Harry vs. Voldemort in year seven, and the six seed, which is the stuff that all takes place after Dumbledore dies, spoiler alert, uh, <laughs> after Dumbledore dies at the lightning struck tower. So just all that stuff afterwards with using Reducto to break the charm that the Death Eaters have put in the stairway, yada, 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 yada. I feel like it's really hard to top Harry versus Voldemort because Harry talks so much trash and he does it while walking in a circle and not breaking eye contact. Like that is so cool. I'm pretty sure that's what uh, Simba and Scar do at the end of The Lion King, too. I'm pretty sure I've made that joke in the episode of Potterless. But yes, clearly on the same wavelength. Yeah, I mean, all of the stuff after Dumbledore dies is really cool, but also very terrifying in some instances, like the Fenrir Greyback Lavender Brown situation. But I feel like it's so hard to top Harry versus Voldemort. That's where we get you dare, yes I dare. Twice, two times. Mm -hmm. That's where we get him like explaining how Voldemort messed up. We also, obviously the duel itself is very cool. The Elder Wand, all that stuff. I feel like the edges to Harry versus Voldemort. Yeah, I'm with you. Cool, 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 cool. So now we can move on to the two seed, which is the Battle of Hogwarts versus the seven seed, Snape versus McGonagall in year seven. That short little fight they have, but it's really, really good. This one is going to be tricky because obviously the Battle of Hogwarts is the Battle of Hogwarts, but I love McGonagall a lot. Well, and I think that one's really sick because in the movie, they sort of ruined the whole Voldemort and Snape can fly thing because everyone can fly for some reason. But I think... In the book, it's like really shocking when Voldemort can do it and then mm-hmm. Snape can do it and it's like, oh, he's also on that level and it's mm-hmm. really impactful. I don't know. You're right. It's going to be tough to beat the Battle of Hogwarts, which is just like the immediate, you know, six hours after that one tiny little battle. Yeah. The Battle of Hogwarts has so much going on. It's something that the writing of it really makes you feel like you are there. It is frantic. There's so many different things happening. You've got all these characters that we know and love or hate, depending on if you're talking about the villains or the heroes. 
it feels like too consequential. And honestly, upon reread of Snape vs. McGonagall, which we were reading before taking the stage, it's like wildly short. Like I knew it was quick, but it is like not very long. And maybe I had just like built it up in my head as cooler than it actually was. I still think it's great, but I don't think it can top the Battle of Hogwarts. I'm also going to brazenly cheat and talk about something from the movies, which is when McGonagall says that she's always wanted to use that spell. <laughs> it is very good. But unfortunately, we're talking book stuff. Okay, so I think I think Hogwarts <laughs> does advance, and that finishes the Gryffindor bracket. I also forgot to say in the intro that Johnny and I today, we took the first train in from New York City, and we grabbed food at Call Your Mother, and then went immediately, ooh, all right. We grabbed food, and we immediately went to the Tidal Basin to see the cherry blossoms, and let me tell you, the hype was real. It was gorgeous. And that is why today I am dressed like a cherry blossom, noting that I have pink shoes and bark-colored pants and a pink T-shirt and a white denim jacket, very intentional. And if you're listening to this after the fact, wondering why did Mike just describe his outfit to people that can see him, it's because you listening at home don't know how good I look, and it has to be known. Also, Kelly, his wife, called him my little cherry blossom before the show, I heard it. That was a lie, I made that up. <laughs> so believable though, right? Because she's so darn cute. All right, so now in the non-dual action scenes, the number one seed of the shrieking shack slash werewolf stuff that goes on in book three, whereas the eighth seed is Harry catching the first snitch in his mouth. Very cool, less important. <laughs> I do want to give that one its due, though, yeah, because yeah. he does almost get bucked off of his broom, which, like, he's 11, and he's, you know, 200 feet in the air, and he's, like, hanging on for dear life, and everyone's just okay with it, which is <laughs> wild to me. <laughs> yeah, safety regulations at Hogwarts are not their strong suit. I mean, the Shrieking Shack thing... That whole scene, I think, is just too important in terms of like that particular book and then also in the series, because as I've talked about on the show, I feel like that is the moment when the series changes from like, oh, look, these cute semi-mystery novels to, oh, wow, this book series is actually very good. And that is also the point at which I stopped dunking on the books for everything and started enjoying them. So I have a little bit of an attachment to it, but I also think it's just like a really nice scene. Shout out to Ron for enduring that whole thing with like a broken femur. Yeah, dude. Holy moly. Maybe it was the adrenaline because I don't know if you've ever broken your leg, but I broke my leg. In what? The, you didn't know this? No. You were at Rice. It was my, it was the first weekend of Rice University when I was a junior and we went to Sky World, which is a trampoline park. And is I, that where you broke your leg? Wow. You're good. Um, I went there and I had a trampoline all growing up and I was very confident in my trampolining abilities, which were great. And then we went to the trampoline park and they had trampolines on the ground and they had ones at 45 degree angles. And I was like, ah, I bet I could jump from one and then onto the other and then do a flip and land. And I did all of that, just landed on my foot in the wrong direction. But it looked rad as hell, I imagine. It like, <laughs> I still landed it, just like not great. But no, I thought I had just like twisted my ankle. It swole up really bad, but it didn't hurt that much. It definitely popped. But then when I went to get an x-ray at the emergency room, they asked me what happened. I was I'm like, I think it's just a really bad sprain. They got the x-rays back and the guy looks at them and he looks at me, he goes, this didn't hurt? And then he flipped it around and my leg was super broken, <laughs> like really big. So maybe Ron was just like super amped up from, I don't know, a tree and a dog almost murdering him. So maybe he was just feeling that. But yeah, I feel like Shrieky Jack is too hard to top here. So now we've got the next matchup, which is between the four seed of the Triwizard Tournament task number three and the five seed, the Triwizard Tournament task number one. Clearly very different tasks in that we've got giant dragons that you have to get an egg from versus a whole bunch of stuff where you've got 
evil hedges and blast-ended scroots and a sphinx and mist that makes you go upside down. And then and point me. And point <laughs> me. My favorite spell. In all the land. Both of these are very good. I would want to give the edge to the third task just because with the first task, we only really get to see Harry's go at it. And then we just kind of like overhear some stuff in the background. And then the narrator just kind of like sums up what we like later learn what the other folks did. Whereas we basically get to see Harry's full experience through the third task. Yeah. The first task is just like, like X games Quidditch, basically it's like extreme (laughs) Quidditch. Yeah. I mean, especially because what we see with Harry is just the flying. If we got to see more of the other stuff, maybe, but I feel like the third task is just too cool. Yeah, I'm with you. Notably not on this list is task two, uh, which would have been very fun to watch. The number three seed is the seven Potter scene, everyone disguising as different Harrys and then trying to fool the Death Eaters and it not working very well. Uh, shout out to the three people who just went, oh, because they remembered, oh yeah, that's when Hedwig dies. And the... <laughs> It's a Gmail account. And then the sixth seed, which is the first real time that Harry does Expecto Patronum when he actually does the stag, when he thinks it's his dad, but it's actually him, Time Turner, all that good stuff. Did you just call Hedwig a Gmail account? Yeah. I don't need to get into this. I'm not a pet person, and all the owls do is send letters. My dog brings me the mail, but my dog is so much more than a Gmail account. He's perfect, and I love him. Does Dodger, like, bite you because you didn't write a letter enough? Like, I don't know. I think Hedwig is rude to Harry. (laughs) He certainly gives the side eye. (laughs) So between Seven Potters and the real Expecto Patronum, how do you feel? I think Seven Potters, because Expecto Patronum is this, like, beautiful scene, and I get that, you know, Harry realizes that, oh, it actually wasn't my dad, it was me, I had it in me all along. But I think that in terms of pure action, Seven Potters is just like such an incredible scene. There's so much, whoa. Amber Alert live, this has never happened before, whoa. Oh, it's it's like a severe weather, right? Thanks everyone for making it out to the show despite the severe weather. (laughs) Wild. But shout out to the severe weather so that one of my friends could attend the show because she had a conflict, but now she can make it. So yay, severe weather. (laughs) Wee! I I hope everyone's okay from the severe weather. (laughs) I don't know what it is, but if it's like a flood or something, let the record show. I hope no one gets hurt. Thunderstorms, oh, you'll be fine, right? Right? I have no idea about DC weather. Anyway, Seven Seven Potters versus the first real Expecto Patronum. I agree. I think Seven Potters has so much action going on, and there's so many different elements to the scene. Yeah, that's where Harry's wand gets, like, dragged Oh, Amber Alert round two. What's good? (laughs) We've already established that was not an Amber Alert. I've never been truly heckled at a Potterless live show before, but... I have certainly never been heckled by everyone's phone at the same time. <laughs> so seven so seven potters. <laughs> I feel like seven potters has the edge. It's very cool. It's also got some humor to it. In all sincerity, Hedwig dying is a very sad, touching moment. You also get Voldemort flying, which was a true, genuine, like, drop my book, oh shit moment when I read it because I hadn't seen the movies yet. So this was something that I knew was very impressive. And then also you get the Harry gold sparks. And at that point, you have no idea what's going on. It's just very confusing. You also get the Hagrid's NOS on his his motorbike and then the free falling into like a lake. There's so many cool things happening with Seven Potters. Mm -hmm. And you got evil. Evil Stan Shunpike. Evil Stan Shunpike, who I definitely thought was Draco Malfoy in disguise. (laughs) One of my finer moments. Like, what would the rationale behind that plan be? I don't know, Polyjuice (laughs) Potion, and then if someone catches him, it's like, ah, let's just throw the guy we don't care that much about in jail. 
I thought it made sense. <laughs> so the number two seed is the Dumbledore Ring of Fire versus the Inferi in the evil cave situation. And then the number seven seed is Harry versus the Basilisk in year two. A good fight, good stuff going on. But like, if Fox didn't come through, <laughs> it's a very short book series. <laughs> also, if the hat didn't come through. <laughs> yeah, underrated unsung hero, the hat. <laughs> No, yeah, I think the Dumbledore Ring of Fire is just so epic because he's down on his luck. You know, he's just had the, uh, he's the just worst had... hangover ever. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, and then, you know, he rises to the occasion. I think this one is a no-brainer. Do you have anything to say for the Basilisk scene? No, I mean, I do think it's very cool that, you know, Harry, even though he's been attacked by a Basilisk and he does have the wherewithal to grab the fang and then destroy a diary or a journal, just absolutely. And in the book, doesn't he grab the fang out of his arm and stab it? I think so. He might, unless you're confusing it with like every season of 24 starring Jack Bauer, where he does something really cool, but. I'm definitely confusing <laughs> it with every season of 24 starring Jack Bauer. <laughs> Loved that show. Yeah, let's have the Ring of Fire advance and we can move on to the evil stuff. So, number one, seed. Ooh, nightmare fuel. The snake coming out of Bethilda Bagshot's neck. Fun! And the eight seed, Frank Bryce getting murdered for eavesdropping. <laughs> I like the people who went all like Frank Bryce, beloved character. <laughs> Guy we know for four pages and all he was doing that time was eavesdropping. We gotta talk about Frank Bryce because yeah. Frank Bryce, I think she describes him as a war vet. And... <laughs> He definitely just like sits the local town children down and tells them about the war and like that's his deal and he's so cute and sweet and then he, all he did was go investigate and do a little eavesdropping and then yeah. it was like the kindest most innocent version of fucking around and finding out <laughs> <laughs> he found out he found out but I, I do want to give a shout out to something that does always make me chuckle in the scene it was like if the chair Voldemort was in was like this chair which doesn't have wheels and Pettigrew just like drags it and it makes a really loud creaking noise but yeah I mean Snake out of Bethilda would have even been tough to beat if it was just a giant snake coming out of a woman's neck but the fact that you also get the interesting Harry seeing Voldemort seeing himself inception thing going on there's so much in that scene and it's really intense yeah and he hear he hears voldemort say in his head like hold him or something mm -hmm. before he shows up and like doesn't make the connection that he should probably boot scoot um well because <laughs> and boogie yeah uh, it's because he he still thinks that he's going to be able to get the sword. And I do like that Harry is like yelling with Bethilda the way that I will yell at my laptop if I'm trying to like back it up or upload an episode or something when I have to leave. I'm like, come on, come on, come on, come on. Because he keeps asking, you know, uh, what is he? He's saying like, do you have anything for me? Do you have anything for me? And the thing that I forgot that we were rereading this is the whole time Harry is polyjuiced as an old bald man, <laughs> which is great that I totally forgot when you see the whole thing. It's like, oh, and Voldemort saw the bald man and the old woman. And I was like, who's in this scene? And then Johnny politely reminded me because I've read these books exactly once each. <laughs> so I forget some details. But yeah, I feel like it's going to be, you can't top the buffet. Oh, yeah, it's too spooky. Spooky indeed. Speaking of spooky, number four seed, running away from Aragog, the giant spider that wants to eat Harry and Ron. And the five seed, Harry as Nagini biting Arthur Weasley three times and hearing the crunch of his ribs with each bite. 
Mmm. Hope everyone ordered a bunch of food before we took this stage. Well, yeah, both of these scenes involve uh, the desire to eat people because yep. Aragog's also trying to get in on that feast. Yeah. Right. I think Nagini and Aragog are both quite terrifying. I feel like I want to give the edge to the Aragog scene because, like, giant talking spider that shows no kindness towards them, even though he likes Hagrid. It's, I remember being really shook by that scene. And then you get cool action scene following it where they're escaping and the car comes back and, you know, we've got our Ford Anglia best friend back in the mix. The reason that I like the snake attacking is because Harry wakes up still, like, kind of thinking he wants to, like, fuck up Mr. Weasley because he's, like, still a little bit in snake mode. And I don't know, I like the sort of, like, portrayal of him as the snake and he's, like, sort of, like, confused about whether or not he's him or the snake. I don't know. I think that's pretty, like, evil stuff. That's spooky stuff. Okay, I think we might do the rare first round applause meter. Oh. If you think that the Aragog scene should advance, make some noise. Okay, okay. If you think Harry as Nagini biting Arthur should advance, make some noise. All right, Okay. There it goes. Cool. All right. So that advances. And now the three seed is the dark mark being cast and the kids figuring out what's going on at the Quidditch World Cup in book four. And number six seed is all of the Horcrux necklace stuff where Ron saves Harry and then gets absolutely roasted by a necklace and then just smacks it with a sword. <laughs> First of all, Ron has to pull Harry out of the freezing cold water because Harry forgot to take the Horcrux off when yeah. he jumped in. And that's like literally just the equivalent of walking out of the house with your fly down. That's like exactly <laughs> what Harry did. I don't know if this is just because of my Jersey Shore upbringing, but like you got to at least do the thing where if, if he's worried about the valuables, like put it in your shoe. No one will ever find it there. Like that's what I did all of the time. And I just think it was very foolish of him. But I mean, that scene is very cool, but the dark mark stuff, like that's like genuinely bone chilling. Like, oh, yeah. It's probably the first like truly scary thing that happens. Like, obviously, the werewolf and all that Shrieking Shack stuff in book three is terrifying, but, like, this is, like, truly evil. They're messing with muggles and flying them up in the air against their will and all of that. Like, it is very evil stuff. Yeah, and that's also the first inkling of, like, maybe Malfoy's parents are more than just mean, because Draco's like, maybe my dad's out there. I don't know. I wouldn't tell you. Mm. So what are you feeling between the two? Oh, I, I'm definitely on Dark Mark scene. Okay, yeah. I think it's very close, but I think I want to give the edge to that just... Uh, it is truly horrifying stuff. All right, now, number two seed, last matchup in the evil section, Malfoy Manor, which does include the wildest death ever of Pettigrew strangling himself, and then also Dobby riding on a chandelier. Like, what's the, who, is that Sia? The, I'm gonna swing. And then you've got Bellatrix torturing Hermione, and then all that, you've got the triple, like, Wolverine uh, level, where he's, Harry's got three wands, and <laughs> does, you know, triple Expelliarmus, all the Malfoy Manor stuff. And then number seven, the only thing the movies did really, really well, I think, Katie Bell getting cursed by the necklace. Because, man, does the movie do that justice. I feel like that one's very good and obviously is very scary, but, like, Malfoy Manor just has too many cool things happening in rapid succession. And then if you even extend it to Dobby, like, so many emotions running in that set of scenes. Yeah, and, like, you know, you forget that when um, Pettigrew's doing his little, like, autoerotic asphyxiation <laughs> thing. I'm that, glad you said it. We were all thinking yeah. it. Don't knock it till you try it. Um, <laughs> He, uh, he, um, 
Like Hermione's upstairs, like getting, you know, completely tortured and screaming. And it's just like horrific. And yeah, I'm, I think this one is a definite winner. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Let us now move on to the Hufflepuff section. Now, the number one seed is the Goofy Heist breaking into the Ministry of Magic in year seven, where they have to disguise themselves and Ron is pretending to be someone's husband and, and all those wild shenanigans. And then... <laughs> And then our eight seed, which could beat it, Dobby dropping a cake on people's heads. That's some action. That's some action, let me tell you. I will say, we had a really tough time with some of these. Like, there's so many duels, we had to leave stuff on the cutting room floor. This was the one where you're like, Dobby dropping the cake? Yeah. <laughs> the only thing that did become the nine seed was the Weird Sisters concert. <laughs> so we got real loose in the Hufflepuff section. I love Dobby dropping the cake, but breaking into the ministry is so fun. It's just, just like a good old-fashioned heist, you know? <laughs> like, you can see them, like, describing the plan, and, like, they go as dressed as waiters, and then they go change in the bathroom, you know? It's like <laughs> classic heist. I love it. Oceans 3. Yeah. <laughs> so that that wins. Moving on. Number four seed, the Weasleys freeing Harry from his room in book two by breaking the bars with the Fort Anglia, and the five seed, troll in the dungeon slash troll in the bathroom when Guardian Liviosa. They're both good. Yeah, I really like the troll scene just because of, like, how extremely stupid the whole thing is. <laughs> like, like no one involved has any idea what they're doing. The troll certainly has no, no idea what he's idea. doing. No, he's no, operating no. on pure instinct. Um, <laughs> but then again, so is Ron, because he casts the only spell that he's learned in the three months that he's been there somehow. <laughs> So, I don't know. Do you have anything to say for the other one? The other one, it's just, it's so funny because it's Fred and George truly shining. And it's a great friend moment because this is the first time it's book two. Harry's back in the terrible situation. And then you're trying to think, how is he going to get out of this? And he does in the most ridiculous way. And they're not allowed to use magic. So, Fred and George pick a lock with a bobby (laughs) pin. It's incredible. I forgot about that. It's so good. And you've got Angry Vernon and... Fred and George and Ron all being goofy. I think it's really close. I don't know. The fact that he picks the lock has put that one over the edge. That's so good. (laughs) Okay. So we'll go with the Weasleys there. It's close. I think the thing with the bathroom troll is like the scene itself isn't as good, but like what the scene means is good. Like that's them like first really coming together. What does precede the scene is Ron and Harry being such douchebags that they make (laughs) Hermione cry in a bathroom. So maybe that loses it some points. But yeah, I think the Weasleys, it's close, but that's a slight edge. All right. The number three seed, we have another Weasley one. It is the Weasleys. (laughs) I wrote breaking into but it's more of accidentally finding themselves in the Dursley's fireplace <laughs> and then giving Dudley a, what is it? What's the tongue? Tongue, tongue toffee. Yes, to make his tongue incredibly large and purple, right? And then the sixth seed, which is escaping from the wedding and then going to the diner at Tottenham Court Road. So I have a lot of empathy for Vernon Dursley as someone who lives in a house because... <laughs> You're, you someone, did save that beginning clause very quickly. <laughs> because if somebody blew up my fucking chimney, <laughs> <laughs> and I have a lot of sympathy for Dudley as someone who accidentally bites his tongue all of the time. <laughs> Canker sores are the worst. <laughs> yeah, I think the wedding escape scene is good, but I don't think it's anything 
incredible. It's more just like, you got to leave. And then they do. And it's like, oh no, there's some Death Eaters here. And then they dispose of them quite quickly. The hijinks that take place during the breaking into the fireplace, I think is fun. And I think it does a nice job of breaking up. I feel like at this point, because was this book, which book was this? Four? Four? Yeah. I feel like at this point, at least when I was reading, I was like, oh, we're back at the Dursleys again. Oh, hey, congratulations. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like, we're back at the Dursleys again? Really? How are they going to spice this up? And it's like, what if it was a big goofy time? So I, I think that's pretty good. I feel okay giving the edge to the fireplace scene. Yeah, I'm with you. Cool. All right. Now we can move on to the final matchup of the first round. The other heist, the more serious one, breaking into Gringotts in year seven or the seven seed, which is all of the Whomping Willow fighting the car stuff. So everything after they escaped. So for this heist, I kind of like the idea that like they have to do the scene where they're getting the gang back together and they're all like doing really weird stuff, like playing poker with people or whatever. And you're like, what's the job? And like that whole thing. I love that. This, this is does fit into the Ocean's 11 canon of the joke I just made before where I said Ocean's 3, because in this one, they do also have grip hook. So it truly is Ocean's 4 <laughs> where they return, but they've got one extra person. Yeah, I mean, the Gringotts heist is so cool because you've got Hermione disguises Bellatrix, which is fantastic. Fantastic. You've got Harry using the Imperius curse, which is ridiculous. He uses it two separate times. You've got our favorite roller coaster, the Gringotts, whatever it is, cart that's very disappointing at Universal Studios. Not a good roller coaster. Do not waste your time. Just spend your time waiting in line for Hagrid's ride. You have that poor abused dragon. Oh, the dragon with the clankers. Mm -hmm. And this is where I got corrected for my Pavlovian response thing from earlier. You've got the Geminio duplicating hot things, which the only scars that I have on my arms are from pots from cooking. So I relate to this quite well. The other thing I like about this scene is that their plan immediately goes to shit. Like they walk in <laughs> and like two seconds later, they're like, oh, these guys are imposters, and they're like, oh, imperious, and that's like the rest of the whole thing. Way better. That's yeah, pretty good. Okay, so that concludes the first round. And now we can... Thank you for the one person who clapped. We did it! We talked about stuff! So now we can get into the second round where we've got you all getting involved and us switching things up with some rules. So the rule that we have for the second round is that Johnny and I will each be picking one of these things to argue on behalf of. We can only make our case with 10 total words. So we're going to try to defend which of these scenes is better, but only say 10 words, and then we'll turn it over to you for the applause meter. So our first matchup in the duel section is the Dumbledore versus Voldemort duel versus the Department of Mysteries. So the thing that happens towards the end of book five, followed by the thing that happens right after, <laughs> divided by Can't I Potter, <laughs> which will, for the sake of neutrality, not be in either of these scenes. <laughs> what would you like to defend? I'll defend uh, Voldemort versus Dumbledore. Okay, I will go with the Department of Mysteries. You want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Cool. We all wonder who is the GOAT. Now we know. Ooh, it's very, very good. Okay, let's see. But seriously, what was the ministry doing with tentacle brains? <laughs> if Don't you, knock it till you try it. Did <laughs> you try that new drug, tentacle brains? <laughs> if you think that the Department of Mysteries should advance, make some noise. Okay, all right. If you think that Dumbledore versus Voldemort should advance, make some noise. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Tough to top. 
shout out to, if you need a good Wizard Rock song, my buddy David Gordon, who's on the podcast, has a song called Tentacle Brains for his Wizard Rock band, Alas Earwax, and it's great. <laughs> it's just this very like creepy sounding Tentacle Brains, which does ask the question, what were they doing? <laughs> So the next matchup is between Harry versus Voldemort in year seven and the Battle of Hogwarts in year two. Wow, the other thing of everything preceding one scene versus the duel that ends it. Do you want to do Battle of Hogwarts or Harry versus Voldemort? I'll do Harry versus Voldemort. Okay, I will start off with the Battle of Hogwarts. <clears throat> Let's see. Giants, wizards, Death Eaters. Oh my. <laughs> Castle crumbling... Teamwork abound. Action. <laughs> you think wand in your hand is yours? That's cute. <laughs> Very good. If you think the Battle of Hogwarts should advance, make some noise. Okay, okay. If you think Harry versus Voldemort, year seven should advance, make some noise. All right, look at you go. Cool, cool, cool. Now, we can move on to the non-dual action scenes. The first one is between the Shrieking Shack stuff versus Triwizard Tournament task number three. What do you want to go for? I'll take uh, task number three. Okay, how about you start it off and then I'll do the shack. That riddle was so fucking hard. <laughs> How'd he get it? It was a really easy riddle. <laughs> Really? <laughs> yes. Uh. <laughs> well, I was a kid when I read them, unlike some That's people true. on yeah. the stage. I was a grown man with a college degree. <laughs> okay. Oh, am I going to get this in 10 words? If you hear some yelling marauders in an old shack. <laughs> that was a B-52's Fred Schneider. <laughs> oh, <that's> okay. <laughs> if you see a faded sign on the side. <laughs> I ran out of words, but I love Fred Schneider too much. But I wanted to end it with, with the Shrieking Shack! <laughs> if you think the task three of the Tribes Tournament should advance, make some noise. Okay, okay. If you think the Shrieking Shack stuff should advance, make some noise. Okay, good. I'm glad my fumbled Fred Schneider argument <laughs> was good enough to pass it through. All right, so now we've got the Seven Potters versus the Dumbledore Ring of Fire in the cave with the Inferi. What would you like to defend? I will take the Dumbledore uh, fire scene. Cool. And then I'll go with the seven potters. Okay. Let's see. Voldemort flying. Hedwig dying. Everyone crying. <laughs> Order trying. Didn't work. <laughs> I fell into a burning ring of fire. <laughs> Short, sweet, to the point. If you think that the seven potters should advance, make some noise. Ooh, okay, okay. If you think the ring of fire should advance, make some noise. I think it was seven, seven potters, potters yeah. yeah. I'm wondering if the ring of fire thing is good or if you and I just made ourselves laugh so much at the thought of calling it the ring of fire <laughs> thing that we are tricking ourselves into thinking it's a very cool scene. So now into the evil section, we've got Snake coming out of Bethilda Batshot's neck. And another snake one, Nagini, but Harry is Nagini biting Arthur. I'll take um, Bethilda next scene, yeah. Cool, okay. Uh, why don't you start that off and then I'll do Nagini. What the fuck? Touche, touche, touche. Let's see. 
what's the, I'm trying to remember the exact quote of it. Um, Stitches, it sounds like they're sewing you back together. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> When Molly realizes that's what they do. (laughs) That's one of my favorite quotes. When they like overhear as the door is closing, Molly hating the concept of stitches. (laughs) If you think that Bethilda's neck is actually a snake situation is the thing that should advance, make some noise. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you think Harry is Nagini should advance, make some noise. Yeah, okay. Definitely, definitely Bethilda, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. We all stayed up sleepless for a week after we read that chapter. Okay, uh, now we've got the dark mark being cast in book four or Malfoy Manor. What would you like to go for? I'll do Malfoy Manor. Cool, I'll go first this time. I'll do the dark mark. Um, Let's see. Hard to say what's worse, Quidditch World Cup or this? Hard to say what's worse. (laughs) Camping trip or this? (laughs) Yikes. Yeah, that'll be the next bracket. If there's ever a city where ticket sales aren't good, we'll last minute turn it to most boring scenes. If you think that the Dark Mark casting should advance, make some noise. All right. If you think Malfoy Manor should advance, make some noise. All right. Makes sense. Yep. It's a very good That feels good like scene. an upset. I feel like we expected Dark Mark to go a lot further. Yeah. Oh, a third. Amber Alert. What's good? Rule of threes. Thank you, Amber Alert. This is great. I hope everyone in the... I hope everyone in DC is like, what is it this time? Is that not also an Amber Alert? Oh. Oh. Okay. That makes me feel better. It's just a weather alert. It's the same noise, though, on your phone. Yeah, okay, geez. Okay, everyone's children are safe. (laughs) As long as they're not outside in the inclement weather. Now, we go on to the final section, the Hufflepuff bracket, 10 words. We've got breaking into the Ministry of Magic or the Weasleys freeing Harry from the room. I'll do um, the Weasleys freeing Harry. Okay, Um, why don't you start us off then? All I did was eat a piece of candy on ground. That's the wrong one, Johnny. (laughs) Book two, freeing him from Harry's bedroom, not getting stuck inside of a fireplace. Here's what happened. I heard the word Weasley and my brain turned off. But that's my argument. It has to stand. If you vote for that, you're terrible because (laughs) I was wrong. (laughs) Okay, so let's see. Breaking into the Ministry of Magic. Hmm. They planned for so long. And that's the best thing? (laughs) If you think that the Weasleys freeing Harry in book two should advance, make some noise. Disqualified. (laughs) Disqualified. No, fuck off. If you think breaking into the Ministry of Magic should advance, make some noise. All right. All right. Now, uh, let's see. We've got the Weasleys getting stuck inside of the fire. Yeah, when they broke Harry out in book two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, breaking into Gringotts in book seven. What oh, I'll you... take breaking into Gringotts. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> let's see. Um, honestly, flu network, not a smart system. Do for comeuppance. <laughs> Hell of a use of the word comeuppance there. That's lovely. It's a, a lovely uh, word. What can I say? I'm a professional talker. <laughs> All right. Um, the Gringotts scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's pretty good. Shout out to me and my buddy Joe Zuccari, who used to, in eighth grade, take our chairs because they were chairs that were separate from desks. And we used to, like, if we were bored in class, like, pretend that we were in a roller coaster and, like, slightly lean and go up and hope the teacher didn't catch us. So you had a bowl cut. I did. We both did. We both had great bowl cuts. And for some reason, people complimented our hair and they were all incorrect. So if you think that the getting stuck in the fireplace scene should advance, make some noise. Makes sense. If you think that the Gringotts scene should advance, make some noise. <laughs> that makes sense. And with that, we have concluded the first two rounds and the first act of the show. We're going to have a little brief intermission where, you know, you'll have 10 or 15 minutes or so to, you know, powder your nose, get some more refreshments. You can get merch. But, yeah, we'll see you in about 10 or 15 minutes after a brief intermission. Oh, thanks so much, Past Live Editing Mike. It's me, present day digital editing Mike. How's it going, everybody? We're here in the mid-roll break to talk about some fun things. Namely, if you're listening to this and you have a desire to listen to more Potterless things, even if you're all caught up on the episodes, I'm very excited to remind you all that if you go to patreon.com slash Potterless, you can still get access to all the Potterless Patreon posts. Though that Patreon has been rebranded for my new podcast about Percy Jackson, the newest Olympian, there is a tier called, oh, I just want the Potterless stuff. And for just four bucks a month, you get access to every single post we ever posted for the five years that this Patreon was about Potterless. That's bonus episodes. That's live streams. That's director's commentary. That's my notes. That's anything and everything in between. You get access to all of it for just four bucks a month. Pretty sweet. So head on over to patreon.com slash Potterless to check that out. And now you're going to hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that are not read by me are inserted locally, so if you're an international listener, don't be surprised if you hear an ad that is either hyper-specific to the country you live in or one that's in your country's native language. But once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this live show episode of Potterless. Okay. I hope everyone had a great intermission. I missed you. Let's go and continue this bracket and have a fun time doing so. Now, where we left off was, uh, what is this, the Elite Eight? Yeah. So now, this is new. We've never done this in any of our brackets before. So tell them what we typically do and why it wouldn't work. <laughs> what we normally do, if you've heard any of these bracket episodes before or if you've been to a past live show, we usually do acrostics for these, which is, you know, those things where you take the letter of each thing and you make a word for each letter. Um, we'd be here for four days if we started making acrostics for Harry versus Dumbledore in year seven. Or, Harry yeah. versus, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> Harry versus, oh, that's in the manuscript of book eight that I have access to. No, it's bad. It's, it's probably really bad, given that she probably wrote it. Anyway, um, not doing acrostics wouldn't work for this stuff. What? All her spinoff stuff is ass. Like, the cursed child is butt. Fantastic Beasts is horrible. And all of that content she puts on Twitter. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that is the most egregious use of the word content ever. You mean hate speech, sir. So, Instead, what we're going to be doing, since it's scenes, what we're going to do is each Johnny and I are going to take one of these scenes and we are going to say, if we were the Hans Zimmer of the film and we were scoring it, what music would we put behind the scene? Uh, so that's what we will be doing. And don't worry, we'll be picking songs you've heard of and not like, oh, I would get vague violin noise 12 if you download Pro Tools. <laughs> that was going to be my answer. <laughs> 
I'm very sorry, Johnny. So that's what we're going to be doing. Same thing. We'll turn to you for the applause meter to determine uh, what was the best. <gasps> Let's go, Johnny. We've got the final matchup of just duels now, and it is Dumbledore versus Voldemort in year five and Harry versus Voldemort in year seven. What would you like to defend? I'll do Harry versus Voldemort. Okay. You start us off, and then I'll do Dumbledore versus Voldemort, year five. So if I were scoring this scene, as written in the book, not the movie, when they get into fist fight, um, but if I were scoring this in the book, I would say the moment Harry yells Pertigo and throws off his invisibility cloak, at that very moment, I would press play on uh, the final countdown. <laughs> I think it would be... I think it would, be, would, it, would it be with the? Would it just be the music cue, or would it be the guy saying the final countdown on the note where? No, he no, no. It? It, like the like the second he throws it off would be the like. Okay. <laughs> and then yeah, and then there's got to be something like the first thing cast is when it goes the final yeah, 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 count. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so Dumbledore versus Voldemort. The Dumbledore versus Voldemort fight is so good that I feel like it would need one of those like really intense scores. Like, I don't know the name of it, but what's the one that's like, ha, 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 Either that, that one, or or the Requiem for a Dream that's like, da, 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 da. And then every time the symbols crash, like Voldemort shoots another Vaticadavra or the statue explodes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only thing if I wasn't going to do something serious, like intense string music would be, you're the best around, in parentheses, from the Karate Kid soundtrack. Because I do think it would be fun to be like, you're the best around. Oh, Oh, I've turned the fire whip into a snake. Nothing's ever going to bring you down. Dumbledore turns the snake into smoke. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay. If you think that Harry versus Voldemort in book seven should advance, make some noise. Okay. Okay. If you think Dumbledore versus Voldemort in year five should advance, make some noise. Okay. All right. All right. So we've got Dumbledore versus Voldemort. And now we can move on to the Ravenclaw section where we've got the Shrieking Shack werewolf stuff versus the Seven Potters. What are you feeling? I'll do Seven Potters. Okay. Um, Shrieking Shack. Um, oh, since it does end with werewolves, I feel like it would be a perfect usage of werewolves in London. <laughs> and I don't know exactly when it would come in, but maybe like when Snake wakes up and they triple Expelliarmus him and he slams into the wall and then it's just like, dun dun, dun dun, dun 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 dun, dun And to be clear, not the song that Kid Rock samples that song, right? Oh, no, he, he does that? I he did does not. that and it's terrible. That sounds really bad. No, I have a strong connection to werewolves in London in that when I was, I think, like three or four. You were I a was, werewolf in London. Yes, and I used to put on a plastic fireman's hat that I got from something in New Jersey. And my dad, who's very into classic rock, would play the song and I would like march around our living room to this song. Do not let that affect your judgment, but that is my connection with werewolves in London. An old song for old people. So Seven Potters, what do you got? So in the theme of it being seven, I think as they were all mounting their various steeds, the intro to Seven Nation Army would start playing. Oh, that's good. Oh, shit, that's good. And and then like the oh, guitar yeah. riff would come in just as the Death Eaters appear, like the full guitar riff, yeah, not just yeah, the bass. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that would be okay. it. Okay. Um, side note about Seven Nation Army, the whole world is obsessed with that song. Dude, yeah, every soccer match, the people chant That's it. exactly what I was going to say because I went to the World Cup in 2018 in Russia, which feels weird now. Wow. And, um <laughs> Literally, that song got the people going unlike anything I've ever seen. And, like, we hear that song at all of our sporting events, and it's right. like, oh, yeah, fun. You know, they're playing the one or whatever. But, like, 
People love Seven Nation Army. Like, that is like the universal language. It's a really good one. That and then also the, oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, I went to international soccer games as well. I was very surprised when people started chanting. I was like, you guys like the White Stripes? Cool. (laughs) All right, so if you think the Shrieking Shack should advance, make some noise. Okay, if you think Seven Potters should advance, make some noise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a really good call. That was definitely better. I was thinking in my head about Songs with Seven, and the only thing I could think of was um, the Brian McKnight song, Back to One, where it's like, one, you're like a dream come true, two. But that song only goes up to five, so it wouldn't have worked anyway. <laughs> I guess the five potters. Ah, uh, the five potters. <laughs> okay, so now we've got, in the evil section, we have Bethilda Backshot revealing to actually be a snake the whole time, and Malfoy Manor. I think I'll do Bethilda. Okay, you start with Bethilda and then I'll do Malfoy Manor. (laughs) So, I I think the moment that her neck opened up, I would press play and it would say, I was working in the lab. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's right. The Monster Mash would play during this scene. And for a second, I was wondering, because once you said that, I got it, but everyone laughed. I was like, am I a nerd? Or is it a really popular reference? Are we all nerds? (laughs) <laughs> I uh, I recently did some Googling, I think last Halloween, on like the guy who's the voice in the Monster Mash. And, you know, he passed away like, you know, a decade or more ago. But I learned that like his name was Bobby Pickett, but his middle name, or not his middle name, it was just his nickname because it was in quotes on all the Wikipedia stuff, was Boris. And I think that's just because he's like playing the character of Boris oh, in, in the Monster Mash. Yeah. That's very good. Right? I thought what that was going to be was like basketball players back in the day, their nickname would just be like a different first name. So like Walt Frazier, my favorite Nick of all time, his nickname is Clyde just because he was cool and dressed cool. So when he dressed cool, they were like, ah, Clyde. Like, okay. Be like, hi, I'm Mike Ricardo Schubert. <laughs> okay, that's, yeah, that's really good for Bethilda. Um, Malfoy Manor, I think given like how hectic it is and how much it ramps up like right off the bat, it reminds me of a song that, the first time I heard this was at uh, Six Flags Great Adventure Fright Night. Is Ballroom Blitz a big thing? Yeah, where it's like, and the man in the back and he's under attack. <laughs> and she thinks she's the passionate one. I just feel like that works for a scene where like a small dude falls from a chandelier and breaks it and there's just hecticus all about. Like Ballroom Blitz feels like, you know. And that's the energy the of like a Scooby-Doo chase scene, you know, oh, when they're going dude. back and forth Ballroom in the hallway. Blitz would totally be in a Scooby-Doo yeah. chase scene. Everyone go listen to Meddling Okay, if you think, uh, we're working on season four, don't worry. Um, if you think that the Bethilda Bagshot scene should advance, make some noise. Oh, if you think Malfoy Manor should advance, make some noise. Okay, a lot of Peacock fans out in the crowd. So now we'll move on to the final scoring battle is between the breaking into the Ministry of Magic, the silly heist, and breaking into Gringotts, the more serious heist. Which heist do you want, Johnny? As the more serious person, I will be doing Gringotts. Okay. (laughs) Okay. It is a heist, but it doesn't go super well. I would imagine that, like, just as they're starting to do it, like, they're getting all ready, and they're like, okay, let's start, and they're going to do the thing where they, you know, get the people to polyjuice and whatever. The theme song from... Mission Impossible plays. They're like, but because it doesn't go well, the whole thing is played on the recorder. (laughs) 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 Which if no one's ever seen the like Jurassic Park one played by the recorder, all time YouTube video, it's really good. 
Wow, I wouldn't watch that in a thousand years. <laughs> um, I think for Gringotts, I think when they step into the vault and at the moment that they first touch something and it multiplies, they would start with, uh, we take my money. <laughs> yeah. And then as pandemonium unfolds, the pandemonium of Gold Digger unfolds. Is it the clean version where it's, uh, she's a broke, broke? <laughs> or <laughs> not messing with no broke? Broke, and then you're getting a lot because you have 12 playing. Yeah, a lot. I think it'll be that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and then you'll start playing the song again as the things multiply, so then it'll sound like nonsense. <laughs> okay, if you think Silly Heist breaking into the Ministry of Magic should advance, make some noise. Okay, if you think Serious Heist breaking into Gringotts should advance, make some noise. I got it. Yeah, that got it. Okay. All right, Gringotts advances. And now we can get into the final four. Ho -ho. That's what's happening this weekend, I think, question mark. So the first matchup is between the representative of the dual bracket, which is Dumbledore versus Voldemort in book five. That makes sense. It's the best duel. And the representative from the Hufflepuff bracket, the Gringotts heist. Now for this round, what we're doing for these two matchups is that you have to present your argument in rhyming couplets form. You can do one couplet, you can do multiple couplets, but whatever you say must rhyme. Johnny, would you like to do Dumbledore versus Voldemort or Breaking into Gringotts? I think I've been on Team Gringotts all evening. Okay, cool. You want to go first or second? Um, I'll go first. Cool. Oh, man. Can't afford my birdie bots. Walked into the bookstore, couldn't afford anything at Flourish and Blots. <laughs> but it's March Madness. We got to take our shots. Only way I can get more money is to break into Gringotts. Ooh, okay, okay, okay. All right. Um, just got can't I pottered. How can it get worse? Oh no, Voldemort's throwing the killing curse. Dumbledore enters, my savior is here. He's trapped Voldemort in a water sphere? <laughs> <laughs> If we started doing these, they were just two lines, and we've advanced to four recently, and it's way better. <laughs> we've upgraded. We've done this before. If you think that the Gringotts heist should advance, make some noise. All right. If you think Dumbledore versus Voldemort should advance, make some noise. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's a good, it's a good scene. Okay, so now to figure out who the final finalist is, we've got the Seven Potters versus Malfoy Manor. What would you like to rhyme for? I'll rhyme for Malfoy Manor. Okay, then I'll kick it off with uh, Seven Potters. <clears throat> Let's see. I've turned 17, meaning the protective curse ends. I'm now joined in the kitchen by my closest friends. We've decided looking like me will be all of our disguises, and tragically, my best owl friend has met her demises. <laughs> Fuck. We're stuck in Malfoy Manor. Whoever got us here was not a good planner. Boy, this sure is a sticky situation. Made much worse by Wormtail's autoerotic asphyxiation. <laughs> That's what that was. Once you said situation, I'm like, he's either saying that or masturbation. It's one of the two. If you think that Seven Potters should advance, make some noise. All right, okay, okay. If you think Malfoy Manor should advance, make some noise. Okay. 
Thank you to the person right over there that really wanted Seven Potters to win. I hear you, but I can't see you because of the lights on stage. But I hear you. Okay, so now we're into the final matchup between Dumbledore versus Voldemort, the duel, and Malfoy Manor. This is good. I did not expect Malfoy Manor to make it out, but I think it makes sense. So what we do for the final round is Johnny and I will each pick one to defend, and we will give a three-minute TED Talk about why that scene is the best action scene in the Harry Potter books. Which one would you like to TED Talk defend? I think I'll go with Malfoy Manor. Okay. I'll do Dumbledore versus Voldemort. Would you like to go first or second? I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> for the folks at home, Johnny stood up. <laughs> Getting a round of applause. Ooh, and the dramatic lights are here. Ah, you should go to these shows in person if you're listening and we come to a city near you. Thank you, welcome to my TED Talk. Fate is a funny thing. <laughs> the lighting department killing the game. <laughs> Getting interrupted on your TED talk. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you, I'll, I'll pause it for 10 seconds. It's a funny thing. <laughs> we all walk many paths in our lives. And sometimes those windy roads intersect. We might be on the train to Hogwarts, you know, as we all. And we get plucked off that train by some Death Eaters and thrown in a dungeon. Or we might be camping in the woods and one of us said Voldemort which apparently triggers a whole bunch of bad stuff and then we get thrown in that dungeon with big puffy faces we haven't talked about the puffy faces yet that they have during Malfoy Manor we may devote our whole lives to supporting someone who is obviously a Nazi <laughs> no matter what which of those three winding paths we take <laughs> <laughs> we end up in the same place. <laughs> and I think there's something to be said for the beauty of that. Because, you know, whether you spend your life supporting a Nazi and or whether you spend your life running a bunch of really shitty businesses and like a really crappy TV show or you know, whether you spend your life fighting for good, you can end up wherever you want. And I think that's a beautiful thing. But the most beautiful story of all is the story of a free elf. <laughs> a story that starts with a cake being dropped, and yes, it was cake. A story that continues with working in the Hogwarts kitchens, and a story that ends in the same place as the story of the Nazi supporters, as the story of the people on the train, as the story of the people who went camping. <laughs> and that free elf made sure that after those roads intersected, the story of the Nazis went poorly, and the story of everyone else went well. <laughs> and so I want to dedicate my TED Talk to Dobby, a free elf. That's really good. Tugging at the heartstrings of Dobby and the hate strings of Nazis, yeah. bro move. <laughs> okay. Hello, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Now, 
when we are reading the Harry Potter books, as we all did as children, <laughs> we are told two things. We are told of the power and the might of Dumbledore. We've heard about this incredible duel he had many moons ago. We know he's this incredible wizard. We don't really see him do any sort of magic though. We just hear about this. We also hear a lot about Voldemort, who honestly doesn't even really show up until the fourth book. Like he's so scary and he's not even there. But even when he does return in the fourth book, he's like a weird like gangly, baby type thing, and then he becomes a big body, but he only throws one spell. We don't really get to see the true mastery of his evil. You've got these two things that build and build over the course of the book. And when we get to see Dumbledore's prowess as the most powerful wizard ever is also when we get to first see Voldemort's true power as the most evil wizard ever. And it happens in the same duel in the Ministry of Magic. When you're reading this, it's the most dramatic thing. Really intense battle scene, big showdown with the Death Eaters and all of our friends, and you've got the tragedy of Sirius, and you've got Harry being so angry at Bellatrix, and then Voldemort makes the greatest entrance that anyone's ever made in the history of the universe. Just when you think it can't get better, this fight happens, and it's truly ridiculous, because the first thing that happens is that Voldemort tries to kill Harry, and what does Dumbledore do? He casts away the spell by making a statue come to life and jump in front of it. Mwah. The theatrics, ah, uh, the panache, it's incredible, and it doesn't stop there. Voldemort is throwing curses all over the place. Dumbledore is throwing statues all over the place to block the spells, but then it keeps going. You've got Dumbledore getting a fire whip coming out of his wand and just whipping it at Voldemort, who then turns it into a giant snake, and then Dumbledore makes that snake disappear, and then what happens? Uh-oh, just like when you accidentally do a combo in Marvel vs. Capcom and your friend comes in to like kick somebody, Fox is here, and he's taking a shot, and then he's gone. Didn't see this one coming, thanks Fox. But not only do you have all of this, you've got Voldemort trash talking, you've got Dumbledore saying that line where he says something real, it's like, it was a mistake to come here. Tom, who? The most intense use of a first name ever. It's so good, and Dumbledore, the whole time, it just describes it as flicking the wrist. It says something to the effect of moving forward as if nothing was the matter. And he wasn't afraid of anything. So you've got the two things that have built up for the past five books coming to a head in this duel. It's the best scene, nothing can top it. And this scene alone makes the fifth book good when 80% of the fifth book sucks shit. <laughs> and that is my TED Talk, thank you for coming to it. <laughs> We could have used Whip It for the uh, Dumbledore fire whip oh, scene. Whip it! <laughs> that would have been great. Ah. So, now is the most important applause meter of the night. If you think that Malfoy Manor is the best scene, make some noise. Okay. If you think Dumbledore versus Voldemort's duel is the best scene, make some noise. Okay. We have the winner. It's Dumbledore versus Voldemort. I really want to shout out whoever in the crowd right before, right after Mike said, this is the most important applause meter of the night. They did like let out a big sigh and they went, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> this will have serious ramifications. <laughs> People take these seriously. <laughs> all right, well, first off, thank you all so much for helping us arrive at these decisions. Give yourself a round of applause. Okay.
So now we're here for a little bit more before we get kicked out of this very lovely sweet venue. We're going to do some Q&A, the first of which comes from a listener named Kelly Schubert. Uh, the subject line is live show question, and then in all caps, from your wife. So I will answer it. She says, hi, Miko, it's me. I tried one of the special cookies that you ordered. I ordered cookies. They're not like special like that. Uh, they are just... <laughs> Gourmet cookies. I don't know if you know Hershey K. Sherway, the guy who does Song Exploder and West Wing Weekly. He partnered with a local cookie company in Los Angeles and made a custom flavor, uh, which was like a flavor that he always wanted to exist. It was spicy dark chocolate with pistachio, which is like very on brand for me. We ordered them, and of course they arrived like two hours after Johnny and I left. <laughs> the plan was they would arrive right before. They didn't get there. So Kelly says, I tried one of the special cookies you ordered. You won't be disappointed. They're spicy. If you could design your idea ideal cookie, what would it be? And would it be this cookie you ordered? It might be that cookie I ordered. I don't know if I would think of it though, but like in retrospect, that's a really good one. I do really like peanut butter as well. So I think maybe the same cookie, but with like a little bit of peanut butter, but I would have to make sure it's not too much because I feel like if you have a chocolate, but like peanut chip cookie, if there's too much peanut butter, it's like I should have just got a Reese's or made a PB&J. Like it can become a little overpowering. So I would say probably the same thing. I do love pistachio a lot, but maybe throw in a little peanut butter. How about you? What's your dream cookie? So I love classic chocolate chip, but there's been a lot of discourse recently on the internet about the notion of making chocolate chip cookies without the chocolate chips. And people are really passionate. Have you heard about this? Like, cause that's not a cookie. You can't just well, like get a chocolate chip cookie that that doesn't exist. Yeah. It's interesting. People, people are all about it recently. I'm I, yeah. I, so I want to try that. That's, that's my dream uh, cookie to try. Okay, have fun. <laughs> this next question comes from Samantha, whose subject line is DC Amber Alerts in Harry Potter. <laughs> Shout out to me, not knowing the difference, now remembering that like when the car is missing, it's silver alert, blah, 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 blah. Cool, cool, cool. Mike isn't smart. Now, Samantha says, hi, Mike, great show. I guess even though I forgot what an Amber Alert was, it didn't ruin the show. Of all the many horrible things that happen to children in Harry Potter, what would be the top thing that should have prompted an Amber Alert? It's <laughs> a really good one. So, I'm going to start literal. Okay. Yeah. Because as I just discussed, a whole bunch of kids got abducted from the train and everyone yeah. was just fine with it in the seventh yeah. book. Yeah. That's a pretty good one. Um, but like the basilisk freezing people, like petrifying them, that feels pretty Amber Alert worthy, I would say. The fact that Hogwarts doesn't have a therapist. <laughs> yeah, that's that's also what came to mind. The fact that they don't have a basketball team, like it's pretty, the school should have been shut down. I think even like the second they decided that they were gonna bring the Triwizard Tournament back, it should be like, local school decides to kill teenagers. I, I feel like that should have been, you know, at least to the parents, like get your kid home. They've made a bad decision. All right. The subject is cherry blossoms without representation. Yeah, it's pretty good. So this is from Ashlyn. Ashlyn says, hello, Ashlyn, a TNO fan here. Ah, oh, the newest Olympian, a great podcast you should all listen to. Uh, with her Potterless sister. Uh, who makes the better smart, capable female crew member surrounded by stupid boys, Hermione or Annabeth? <laughs> I think given the prompt you've done, I would lean towards Hermione just because she has to overcome the thick-headedness of Ron and Harry at the same time. Whereas, like, Percy can be a bit annoying at times, but, like, at least for what I've read, Grover slash Tyson are really good dudes. I think I like Annabeth more than Hermione, but I think for just in the phrasing of who's better at overcoming annoying boys, I would give the edge to Hermione. <laughs> are you in agreement there? Yeah, I am. Okay, let's see. Um, okay, this is from Rebecca, who says, DC live show, and then I'm the girl who clapped after the first round. <laughs> A celebrity. <laughs> okay. Um, 
I love the newest Olympian. My question is, what's your wildest prediction right now? Hmm. Wildest. I think at least, I don't know if it's the wildest, at least it's like, it's the biggest swing I'm taking is that I think that Thalia, who currently is a tree, uh, is going to come back as a human. So if you have not read Percy Jackson, you're very confused. It is a big guess, but trust me, it kind of makes sense. She was a person, she turned into a tree. I think she's turning back into a person. I would say that would be my biggest swing right now, but we will have to see. Andrew says, what are your thoughts on the 20th anniversary Harry Potter reunion movie? Didn't watch it? Fuck that shit. I don't give a fuck. I don't care. <laughs> oh, the movie is cool. I mean, in all honesty, like I have no like nostalgic connection to the movies because I started watching them four years ago. So for the, it's, I'm like, it hasn't been 20 years. What are we all talking about? These movies came out. So, I don't know, whatever. Okay, this is from Emma who says, hi, Mike and Johnny. My name is Emma. I'm a Hufflepuff. My question for you is, which Triwizard task do you think you would be the best at and which do you think you would be the worst at? I'd be bad at the swimming one, I think. I would get like too nervous when I saw evil people underwater. I don't think I would... When I worked at a summer camp and I had to be a lifeguard for the summer, I had to go through lifeguard training. And part of lifeguard training in the state of Michigan was to swim 550 meters, I guess, without dying. And I barely passed. I came in last by so far that when I finished, everybody else who was going alongside me was already out of the water and they clapped when I finished. So that's the one I'd be the worst at. But the best, I feel like I would have been the best at the third one. Everything up to having to fight Voldemort. I don't know that I would have done well in that portion. But everything else, like, I feel like I could have held my own with the riddle. I've been pretty good in my corn maze days. Uh, I think I could handle that. And I feel like I could handle the upside down mist stuff too. I feel like the third task I would be best at. I just don't think I would be very good at trying to deceive a giant dragon in order to steal an egg. I would be, I feel like I would like walk out and they'd be like, here's the task. I'd be like, all right, I'll see you guys later. I'm out of here. I'll play some wizard's chess, little lower stakes. What about, what would you be best at? Well, I already admitted that I wouldn't have been able to get that riddle right. So I think by default, the first one. <laughs> There you go. Okay. <laughs> Allison asks, where the fuck are you materializing that hairbrush from, you wizard? <laughs> I, I have realized that it is behind the laptop screen, so it does, it does look like I am making a hairbrush magically appear. Yeah, if anyone listening at home hears people like quietly chuckle in the back of the show, it's because I've brushed my hair a couple of times throughout. I only get to be seen so often, I gotta make sure I look good. Oh, which one were you pointing at? The from Texas. There's a from Texas. Wait, 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 wait. Um, okay, cool, great. Um, so this is from Neelam. Uh, hi, Mike, I'm from Texas, and I'm moving to New York City for a job after I graduate this summer. I'm just in D.C. for, in double quotations, quotation, quotation, study abroad, quotation, quotation. Okay. Um, I mean, I guess because you're not abroad. <laughs> that would at least be one quotations. Is the second because you're also not studying? <laughs> Program, any tips for things I should keep in mind for moving to New York City? Hmm. Okay, let's see. Here's what I will say. This is the silliest thing that took me like too long to learn when I moved to New York is the subway system's great. It goes all over the place. It can be a little confusing, but what the trains will say is they will either say like uptown or downtown if you're going in Manhattan. And for the longest time, I was like, why don't the trains just say north and south? And then like three months later, I was like, up and down, you idiots. 
Because I was used to the bar in San Francisco where it always says like a whatever city bound train. So I would just always know like, oh, this is going into San Francisco. This is going into Richmond, whatever. Whereas New York does like directions. And it took me three months to realize that north and up are the same. <laughs> that would be my biggest uh, piece of advice to give. <laughs> I live in the burbs, so I have really nothing to offer here. But... While we're on the topic of the subway, so my brother, who's here tonight, which is really awesome, um, yeah! Um, he always texts me tweets from some Twitter account that like shits on the DC Metro. And I've heard it's like been, is it still really bad? He, apparently it's been really bad lately. Oh, no. Hope, lots of grumbling, <laughs> lots of grumbling. All right, this one comes from Amanda. Amanda says she is a proud Ravenclaw. Her question is, if you could choose one food from the wizarding world to try that doesn't actually exist in the same form in the muggle world, what would it be? We did a best food bracket. Um, trying to think of one that is wizardy but doesn't exist here. I mean, butterbeer is like an easy one. I do like whiskey, so fire whiskey feels like it would be a top choice. Oh, fire whiskey does uh, exist in the muggle world. It's just uh, it's fireball. Just, it's, just it's, it's not, no, that is, that is not whiskey at all. It's antifreeze, that's right. It. It's antifreeze, how dare you. Um, I'm trying to think of this thing that like is explicitly magical that is food that is in the Harry Potter world. Oh, no, 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 no. I, this is one, and this is like such a niche one for me, but the mints that floss your teeth and stuff. I would love that. Oh, it'd be so good. We would all be so much better. Imagine if that existed in our world and you went to the dentist and after you lied about how long it was since your last dentist appointment, when they ask, do you floss every day? You could say yes and not be lying. That would be great. And maybe I'm an old fart for wanting this of all the candies. But I think that'd be very cool. I mean, we would never have to worry about, is something in my teeth ever again? A genuine question I asked Johnny before we took the stage. Just in case people sitting really far would be like, I think he has spinach in his teeth. I'm never <laughs> listening to another episode of anything he does again. Do you have a pick of wizardy food? Um, we talked about cauldron cakes that one time, and we had uh -huh. the debate about, you think that they're like molten lava cakes, and I think that they're like hostess cupcakes. <laughs> so I would like to have that just to find out who's right. <laughs> Okay, this is a fun question from Mercedes, uh, who asks, what do you think are the most popular podcasts in the wizarding world? Uh, this can be answered in the form of real-world podcasts that would be popular or create your own hosted by characters in the series. I think we should go that way, like a fictional thing. I think, like, Draco would have, like, a Joe Rogan podcast, and it would be, <laughs> unfortunately, wildly popular. I think that would be one for sure. Ludo Bagman could have one of those like sports betting podcasts where they tell you about like who to pick for your fantasy team and stuff, but he's always incredibly wrong. Everything he picks is incorrect. Fred and George would probably have the wizarding equivalent of like Comedy Bang Bang or one of those improv based ones that's been around for a really, really long time. Rita Skeeter would have the worst version of cereal ever, <laughs> where like they would release the season and then immediately the whatever, the what's the, there's only one newspaper and it's bad. Like if there was a good newspaper, they'd be like, everything she said was untrue. Nothing was correct. Do you have any other podcast choices? I'm sort of imagining like as a child, there was a really like popular series of books about a muggle boy who grew up in New Jersey and um, Harry didn't read those books as a child. And so when <laughs> Harry turns 24, Harry decides he wants to read those books. It would have to be a series of books that I read as a child. So it would be like him doing 
oh, like the series of unfortunate events books or something, which a lot of people have suggested I, I do a podcast about that, but like I devoured those. Those are very good. I don't remember much except for the one is called the Ursatz Elevator. And I was like, mom, what does Ursatz mean? And my mom was like, I don't know. <laughs> Oh, okay. This is from Sarah because I've been trashing Hedwig all night. What is the best Harry Potter pet, Hedwig, Crookshanks, or Fang? I think of these, I'm going to pick Pigwidgeon, the bird who tries his best. <laughs> I love Pigwidgeon so, 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 so much. Just a cute little tryhard. But Fang is the goodest boy. I mean, Fang is a really good boy. Fang is a really good boy. Voldemort, thank you. Yes, Voldemort Jr., which I, in, in the smash hit iPhone game, Harry Potter Hogwarts Mystery, there is a side quest where, uh, since it's in the past, you get to find Fang. You have to help, like Hagrid just got a new puppy, but he lost and you help him find Fang. And then Hagrid is gonna name his newfound puppy and he asks you, what would you like to name it? And I think the names are like Fido, Fang, or Voldemort Jr. What the fuck? And if you pick Voldemort Jr., Hagrid basically goes, that's not a good choice. I'm going to go with Fang. And I was furious. <laughs> Sarah also asks UNC or Duke on Saturday. I'm going to root for Duke. I liked Duke growing up. I don't know if that's heresy here. Look. Oh, I don't know. What? Oh, you guys mad because Georgetown sucked ass this year? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> okay. Someone very loudly said yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a, a pick of UNC or Duke? I Clearly, there's no correct answer well, to the question. I just can't decide if it would be tragic or hilarious if Coach K's last game was a loss to UNC. <laughs> so I don't know. That would be very Don't ask very me. Good. Molly says, DC Live Show, happy Trans Day visibility. Happy Trans Day visibility. That's some good stuff. Go kick rocks, JK Rowling. Um, Molly says, hi, hope you're both doing well. I was wondering if either of you know about all the young dudes. Yes, if I get another fucking email about this shit. <laughs> look, I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it's good. I'm not reading fan fiction where when I went to scroll it, the scroll dot was like non-existent. It's so long, guys. It's described it's so as Order long. of the Phoenix length in this email. Oh yeah, Order of the Phoenix, the book we all make fun of for being too long. No, I've heard really good things about it, but like there are so many books that I have not read when I was choosing to read children's novels and now I'm continuing to do it for the New Olympian. Harry Potter is very good. I read the one true fan fiction, which was the My Immortal. Why would you have any other fan fiction when you've reached perfection? I've heard some great stuff about it. This one and then some like the Harry Potter methods of rationality, blah, blah, blah. I've heard incredible things, but I am not going to read it. I apologize. I honestly should auto filter my Gmail to send a reply that says this, where I'm like, thank you. I do know about this. I'm not going to read it. I hope you enjoy it. I've heard great things. We I'll also get a well actually in here. Oh, uh, not, then you know what? This email has been deleted. But, I didn't even they get also, <laughs> but they also ask for a fuck turfs from us. So fuck turfs. Yes, fuck turfs, they're the worst. Don't like them at all. Okay, so this one comes from Alan. Alan asks, when someone subbed to your Patreon with a name that was the first 100 digits of pi, how many takes did it take you to read that out without mistake? I gotta say, really proud. I got it in the first try. <laughs> now do it from memory. I don't know it memorized, but I will say, I do try really hard with the patron names, especially if people have names. Potterless has a very solid international listenership, which is really cool, like at least 40%, which is awesome. Shout out to Finland, one of the smallest countries that is like my fifth most listened to country. I gotta go over there and do a live show because I think the whole nation's gonna show up. Like you could just turn off the lights of Finland, but 
the thing is like, it is sometimes hard to pronounce the names and sometimes I'll either message people or I would like look up, I would Google like how to pronounce this name and like listen to YouTube videos and all this kind of stuff. But to say a bunch of numbers isn't too hard. Like it's harder than it sounds, but I think the biggest thing I would have made the mistake of was mispronouncing something or jumbling over. And when you're just saying 3.14159, you can do it. So I got it in one take really proud of myself. <laughs> okay, let's do one more and then I think we're gonna go. Okay, oh great, yes, thank God. Natalie, you did it. This is a perfect question. What house would you sort the Ted Lasso characters into? <laughs> Incredible. Okay, let's go. Ted Hufflepuff, nailed it, no question. I feel like if we're going for Slytherin but not racist, I feel like Rebecca would be a Slytherin, very cunning, especially given, I won't spoil anything, everyone should watch this program, it's very good, Apple's not sponsoring me, but they should be. What she does in the first season is still very cunning and such, so I think if we're going by human Slytherins and not book Slytherins. I would actually argue for her as a Ravenclaw, I think she's really sharp, but I don't mm -hmm. think she has the sort of like, I think she grows out of the connivingness yeah. after, I think she only had that because she was so hurt. I feel like Keely would be a Hufflepuff because she's just so incredibly lovable. I think Jamie Tart has to be like the worst version of a Gryffindor possible, but. <laughs> yeah, he's Cormac McLaggen. But he gets a, <laughs> but he gets a little better. He's got the, you know, he, oh my God, what if we fix him? He's like James Potter, truly, in that it's like, but what if I, what if I could fix him? And then you kind of can a little bit. Is Roy a good Slytherin or is he a Gryffindor? Oh, I was going to say Roy Kent is Filch. <laughs> like just like grumpy, <laughs> grumpy, all of like a good Filch. Like I don't have time for this kind of character. And then um, Beard is definitely a Ravenclaw. For sure. Yeah, he's yeah, all, yeah. Very, like, he's all yeah. like intellectual and stuff like that. And then Rupert obviously is just a Death Eater. That's where he gets sorted into. Is there anyone else? That Sam. Sam. Oh, Sam has got to be a Hufflepuff. Yeah, or he, no, he's so smart that he's got to be a Ravenclaw. He's, yeah. He's incredibly knowledgeable and incredibly knowledgeable. But he's he, also super brave with the taking a stand. So he could, like, he, he, you can make an argument for a lot of it. He, he could you be. just let him choose. <laughs> yeah. He would, like, the hat would go on. It would be really, really hard. And that would be going, okay, great. Thank you. Great question. And uh, thank you all for the people asked questions. We had so many, we couldn't get to all of them. But thank you all so much for coming out to the show. This is so cool. There are so many of you out here. This is wild. Give yourself a round of applause, please, for coming out. I very much appreciate it. Give a round of applause for Johnny for being an incredible guest. And of course, I want to thank City Winery and all of the folks that helped out from sound to lighting to hospitality to merch. Everyone here has been so nice and made this quite a seamless show. Thank you all so much. Thank you all so much for coming out. I really appreciate it. And until next time, whenever we come on back to DC to do another show, because obviously, how could we not? When we come back, as they say in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, Wizard on! Thank you so much for coming out, everybody! Thank you so much for listening to this live show episode of Potterless. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Mike Schubert. This episode was edited by Sherry Guo, so shout out to Sherry for helping out here. And shout out to all of you for staying subscribed to the feed. We're going to keep posting stuff every now and then, so stay subscribed, stay tuned, keep checking, because we've got a lot of live show audio to post from live shows and conventions now that leaky cons are happening again. The feed will never die. We'll keep posting stuff. And remember, check out the YouTube channel as well, because I'm going to keep posting stuff there also. Final reminder while I've got you here, just in in case you live under a rock and you haven't checked it out yet, I have a Percy Jackson podcast out right now. It is almost a year old, which is really cool. I've been covering the Percy Jackson books for the very first time, very similar to Potterless, though the show is completely family-friendly and more 
positive, mainly because I like the books a lot better and the author, and there's not a whole lot of criticism to be found. That being said, when the books fall short, we still call it out. It just hasn't been happening as much. If you want a very smiley, upbeat, chill podcast, The Newest Olympian will be perfect for you, whether you are already a Percy Jackson fan and you want to have some nostalgia in your ears, or if you've been looking for an excuse to read the books, you can read along with the podcast like a digital book club, especially because that Disney Plus show is coming out next year. Maybe you want to be up in the know before it releases. It's right there for you. Search for The Newest Olympian wherever you get your podcasts or go to thenewestolympian.com to listen. But thank you so much for listening to this. I hope you continue to listen to all of the stuff that we post to the feed. And until something else gets posted and you hear me again, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, wizard on. Wizard on.